from the dungeon in Ice Planet Zero. Woo! Well, it'll be Ice Planet Zero soon enough. <laughs> of course, the Golden Stallion's here with you for another little Q&A episode. You know, your questions, Brian's answers, all that. We've had quite a few entries uh, into this. And, uh, well, you know, speaking of just real quick of Ice Planet Zero, you know, I, being in New Hampshire... Now, I, I grew up, uh, well, I grew up in New York City. I spent a lot of time in upstate New York as well. Grew up a good chunk in upstate New York and all that. And I've seen plenty of times where there's snow in October. Um, in fact, I lived in Florida for a few years, too, uh, when I got out of the Army. And when I, when I moved up, <laughs> uh, it's a long, long story. Maybe you can ask me about it sometime through the Patreon messaging service. Um, I came up with, uh, my ex family, I'll put it that way. And, you know, we came up in October hoping that, oh, okay, we'll be there right before the snow hits, you know, coming back to moving up from Florida up to New York and to upstate New York in particular, and everything would be fine. But, oh no, we got snowed. Like it was maybe even the first week of October. So personally, I mean, I love the snow, so it wasn't like it was a problem for me just for, you know, people that are natives of the South. It was a bit of an issue. Uh, I, I hope the snow comes as early as it can. I, I really enjoy that. And it can stay as long as it wants. I know years where there was snow in October. And hell, there might have been snow at the end of September. But there was snow in October. And it ran all the way until the uh, beginning of May. And man, that was a hell of a year. Great snowmobiling, all the good stuff. Uh, anyway, big fan of the winter. Of course, if you're wanting me to talk about that, I suppose I could talk about that as well in a future episode of, uh, of Q&A. Uh, thank you all so much, as usual, uh, for being Patreon subscribers, uh, for being patrons, as they're called, to Sovereign Tech. Uh, you are the only people getting this content, and there are more getting added on every week. I love having you on board. In fact, I just noticed on the Patreon page, you know, little inside baseball, and since, you know, I assume since you're donating to Sovereign Tech, uh, you don't mind hearing the inside baseball. That's where, you know, it's not so much the, the mainstream show out there, which I'm going to talk about that in a second, too. Um, but I noticed on the Patreon page that it said, oh, there is this much content. Like now it says there's over five episodes of it or, you know, five pieces of content available for Sovereign Tech patrons. And I was like, oh, that's great. So now people know just how much there is. I mean, and genuinely, I mean it. That's a good thing. Uh, there's a part of me that really wants to go so far as to almost make the Patreon page the, you know, where the, the main destination for SovereignTech.com uh, to get to. I, I think that would be, you know, that would be great. The only problem there is, is that I also, ironically, you know, for the main show, I have, um, you know, I do have some advertisers and, you know, I want to, I want them to be able to get click through. Uh, so because of that, you know, going to the website, you kind of need like, you need a little ad that they can hit up and all that stuff, uh, which is fine with me. You know, I mean, the way that, the way that I do that and the way that I, you know, my advertisers have an understanding of how all that works. Um, you know, the, the, the way that works, works very well. Bottom line, <laughs> having, having a little banner ad on the website and it's not going to be something that's uh, obtrusive. Like I don't even think it sets off. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm sure of it. It doesn't set off uh, ad blockers at all. Um, you know, it's, it's a very efficient way that I, uh, you know, have that going and we know that it's not meant to track you. It's just meant to see, okay, did somebody go through, you know, ZOG.ninja to get to a certain website or something? You know, it's no, I don't care who, what your IP address is. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, and granted, I suppose somebody, you know, could just click on, click on the banner ad over and over and over again. And it might, well, anyway, 
we don't need to get into that. No need for cheating. We love our, uh, we love sponsors of Sovereign Tech. And of course, I love the Patreon subscribers. And since you are subscribers, I want to make sure you get very unique content. I don't want you to think I'm just double dipping here. I have, you know, donators and I also have, uh, um, you know, sponsors as well. Some people think that that's an ethical dilemma. Uh, I don't agree at all. First off, I wouldn't take on a sponsor that wouldn't let me say whatever the fuck I want to say. And I know my sponsors allow for me to do that, like Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, of course. Um, And, you know, then with, you know, with donating, I mean, I make sure that there is an added benefit when you do that. So, so it's not double dipping. I know people that take issue with that. Um, No, there's no issue to be had here. You know, ethical dilemma solved Uh, because they think it's like, oh yeah, we're taking all the money, all the money. It's like, no, you're, you're getting value for the, you're getting value for value here. Uh, And people can donate anyway if they want. I I don't even agree in the popular sentiment with that concept of double dipping, Uh, but whatever. Let, <laughs> what I want to say about Patreon, yes, I've, I've considered making it the primary site because you can do so much on it. You can do blog posts. You can do like some of the other shows I follow, Sword and Laser, uh, School Sucks Podcast is actually doing, a, they're doing a Patreon thing now as well. Uh, and they also have the AV Club uh, that they do, which if you've never checked out School Sucks, uh, you know, the School Sucks Podcast, School, School Sucks Project, all those different names you need to, you know, Get on DuckDuckGo, find that, and check it out. Um, But the other thing that's coming is that, and I'm not 100% on how this is going to work, but if you didn't listen to the Star, which people love this, the Star Trek uh, movie ranking that I did last week. I did a Q&A, then the next day I came out with a movie ranking episode. Uh, And people love the shit out of that Star Trek episode. (laughs) So if you haven't checked it, go check it. Uh, But I mentioned at the beginning of that, that Patreon has announced ahead of time that they are going to be putting out RSS feed Uh, feeds for audio content now here's where things get weird is i don't know if if i'm going to be able to make that work for subscriber content like if you as a subscriber can get that specific rss feed i'm not sure if that's going to work out it'd be great if that is how it works out i'll keep an eye out for that and i'll let you know how that how that shapes up but that would be really cool because right now you either have to stream this or you have to download it from the patreon page those, those are the two ways to do it. You know, of course, patreon.com slash sovereign tech. Um, there are people who, who donate outside of Patreon. And of course, they end up going to a OneDrive folder where they, uh, you know, they can download the episodes or they can stream it from that from that page as well. Um, so, you know, there's there's ways of doing it. But yes, I agree. It would be very convenient if you could just have it work right inside, you know, a podcast app. Uh, honestly, if I was Patreon, I'd come out with a podcast app. That allowed for that, 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 that had people log in and all this stuff. And, you know, granted, I don't like that, it, that there's identifiers and it's attached to all these various things, but it just makes things very simple. Um, I, you know, I would love it if they had that ability. If Patreon, I think I said this at the beginning of the Star Trek episode last week, that if Patreon would become that thing that Apple never really became, that Google Play might be becoming, uh, and that that some other and that Amazon might be trying to be to where you are this you know all inclusive platform that creates the monetization for you know podcasting content uh, you know that does everything for podcasting people can just upload it and it handles all the business uh, SoundCloud might even become that if they were smart enough uh, but maybe they won't so anyway it'd be great if Patreon would do that um, but I will keep you posted I know a lot of people are requesting that there be a RSS feed that they can access. Um, I will do my level best, you know, to, to make that, to make that happen. And Patreon might really allow for it to occur. 
Um, worst to worst, I mean, I do have options outside of Patreon that might allow for that. Uh, oh, man. But, you know, I could... Total side tangent here. There's a show that I listen to called... Um, it's from Torrent Freak, which is an excellent news site uh, that I visit daily. Um, it's Steal This Show is the name of it. And there have been some great people on it. Actually, great Sovereign Tech listeners and guests, past guests have been on that show, um, including... Uh, Ryan Taylor of Alexandria. He's been on there. Uh, it, it's, you know, generally I enjoy the show. It's all about peer-to-peer culture and all that stuff, and it's, it's really cool. But, like, I am, my mind is absolutely blown. And the same thing happened with Medium, or with, with my blogging on my own website. But my mind is absolutely blown at the fact that they recommend, you know, they say, oh, subscribe to us on iTunes. They say that at the end of every episode. And like, I never, you know, I know iTunes is like a thing, but you know, if, if you listen to podcasts on an, on an iOS device or whatever, I mean, you pretty much know that iTunes is there. Like I was, I was kind of disappointed. Not that I want to get into some kind of no true Scotsman argument. Okay. That that's a problem. And I, I, sometimes I fall into that, I think, or, you know, I start making those kind of arguments, but like, I wouldn't promote iTunes for the life of me. If, especially if my show in particular, and Simon Tech kind of is, is all about peer to peer. You know, and all about torrent sites and all this different stuff. I mean, Apple is enemy number one. If what happened to Artem Valen with Kick-Ass Torrents, again, he's the alleged owner of that, uh, or, you know, site runner. You know, if that wasn't enough, like, it, it just comes off as very insulting. You know, I know iTunes is a thing. I know it's out there. I know I have listeners probably listening to this. They use iOS devices, and that's fine. There's, there's a lot of advantages to using Apple stuff. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. I'm just saying that, like, it's odd when, if your whole shtick is torrenting in peer-to-peer culture, that you are, that you're pumping iTunes. Now, why do they do that? Of course, because iTunes is still, for whatever goddamn reason, the number one podcast platform out there. And for whatever reason, I don't know, they just, you know, if you, if you make it big or if you get a lot of, um, a lot of comments, a lot of action on your podcast and it, it ends up in, you know, somewhere on, on the iTunes app that it ends up, you know, front and center because it's so damn popular or whatever, or Apple gives you some kind of center stage on it, kind of like they did with no agenda recently. Uh, you know, that like that, that's, that's what they think is that, oh, well, we just, we got to get there. And again, it just it blows my mind. If you're trying to build peer-to-peer culture, what the fuck are you doing, you know, recommending that software? And I, I, I still, something is really not right about that. Something is not, I just, I cannot believe that that many people use iTunes. It is, it is so bad. In fact, I've talked to people that have used Apple software for years and people that aren't even like all that technically literate and, I, and they have an iPhone and they use, uh, they use Pocket Casts which is also what I recommend using on Android, you know, as far as like great user experience. I mean, the only thing I can figure is that a lot of these other apps like Pocket Cast use, because they have a discover feature in Pocket Cast, and I don't understand. I don't understand how that discover feature exactly works. Like, how do you get on top of that? Because... Pretty much every show that gets on top and the dis- or, you know that sh- that gets shown off in the discover thing is a bullshit show and like you're not really discovering anything you're discovering the most mainstream of stuff you know that already has full on networks and has plenty of you know and it is in the circle jerk in Silicon Valley and uh, you know so like 
if you don't know about, I don't know, Relay FM or if you don't know about 5x5 five five or you don't know about Twit or something, I, I don't know. I just, I'm kind of baffled, like, at at those things showing up. If I had a discover feature built into my, and of course I'm speaking from, you know, my own desires and my own wishes, you know, to, to have a, you know, to reach out to new audience, certainly. Um, but like, it, really, if I did design a discover feature, I would want it to find like the weirdest fucking podcasts out there. Cause there's, there's gold in them dare Hills and iTunes isn't showing it off. Pocket cast isn't showing it off. And again, I don't know if anybody knows, please email me. Okay, what you know, where, how exactly, where exactly, what exactly, like, like how the the discover feature works on Pocket Casts, because I know I've got a lot of listeners that that actually are in that that Silicon Valley circle jerk and no offense to you. Um, you know, let me know what how how that all works out. Are they literally just running off of what's popular on iTunes? I wouldn't be shocked. And I understand why you do that. You know, maybe there's some kind of I don't know, simple feed that you can access that allows for for that sort of thing, or it's easy for you to plug it into your API or whatever. Um, but it's that just sucks. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, how did I even get on that? I don't know. I've got questions I want to get to. And, and let's let let let's let's get to them. Somehow I ended up talking about. Oh, yeah. I guess I was talking about the RSS feeds that, and that nobody, there's no real great platform for podcasting right now. There still isn't. I think there's, there's people trying. Google Play might get there. Amazon might get there. iTunes is, it should not be there. There's no, I, oh, that's how I got on it. I was talking about Torrent Freak and how they promote iTunes. Right. So <laughs> anyway, that just, that boggles my mind. Um, I never, ever, ever, ever ask. I mean, I may have in the past on Sovereign Tech, but certainly not since the Snowden revelations have have I asked whether or not, you know, have I asked people, please rate my show on iTunes. No, I don't want you to use iTunes. It doesn't matter how much I want my show to grow. I don't want you to use iTunes. Don't do it. <laughs> it, it kills me. Oh, that's what I was going to get into, too. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take a moment to talk about this, and this can actually lead into, uh, into our first question here. So, I, all right, I was going to say that now I did an experiment for a little over a year where I was posting daily content of some kind. It wasn't always blog content. Sometimes it was audio content. Sometimes it was sharing a video, whatever. I was posting something new every single day to my website, zog.ninja or zomiofflinegames.com, whatever. They're all the same. Uh, you know, on Fridays, I'd post the, ep- the newest episode of Sex and Science Hour. On Saturdays, obviously, I'd post the new Sovereign Tech and, and so on and so on. I, either way, I would post something new. And then there'd be dark Android blog content, uh, all of this. I would post something new every single day, right? And I would get, you know, I'd get a few hundred visits a day. I mean, sometimes it'd be a few thousand. Like, you know, I'd get some, I'd get some traction. But it, it wasn't like enough, and and I'd also be able to see thanks to Jetpack, the you know the Jetpack plugin for uh, for a WordPress site. Um, I was because my site is WordPress based. I was able, and it, well, I, it was WordPress based because you know I was all about hey let's use open source software hey let's you know decentralize the web yeah 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 right. Um, but I was able to track sort of where this was going. You know, I was able to see, not that I tracked users or anything. I have no zero interest in that, but I was able to sort of see, you know, where this ended up, where did most people come from to see it and all this stuff. And bottom line was that, and I I think I talked about this briefly on Sovereign Tech in the past. 
I I knew that the, audi- the the audience that I was trying to reach, which honestly was more of it was the more libertarian slash anarchist audience with my stories. That's not who it was getting to. What what I was wanting. So you know, one of my goals with that was, and it's not the only one. I want I want good information out there. There was very important stuff that came out, like when the Amazon. Uh, password leak happened. I wanted to be on top of that, and I was glad to be on top of that. And there are wonderful people that made sure my content was getting shared that are of the anarchist bent and all that. And thank you for that. But I was, you know, I'll, I'll be straight with you. I was partly hoping that some of the libertarian luminaries, which, you know, that that term's bullshit, I'll be the first to tell you, uh, along with celebritarians, I was kind of hoping that, oh, maybe they would see value in sort of what I'm putting out there and that they would share it in their circles because then, you know, I could add on some numbers and, you know, maybe get a a spiral going of people um, that, that I don't have to explain every little philosophical precept that I carry, you know, and, and have, and have that be a thing. Right. And, you know, get them on board and whatever. And however that works. Uh, I mean, like I'll admit, I wouldn't have mind, minded if Jeffrey Tucker shared one of my, you know, one of my, my stories or something. And, you know, granted, I don't see eye to eye with Jeffrey Tucker on a whole shit ton of things. OK, uh, but, you know, that that would have been that would have been fair. I w- it would have been interesting to see what would happen if this stuff kind of got turned around, because what I noticed personally was that, uh, you know, OK, I get it. Like like when you're trying to, you know, just just sort of try and grow an audience within a, a specific movement. Again, I don't want to do any of this anymore. All right. That's why I stopped a daily blog. But I want I want to talk about this. I, I OK, I noticed that nobody like nobody in libertarian slash anarchist circles share podcasts. They just don't at all. Like. I mean, I do. I share all kinds of podcasts, certainly not just Liberty ones. Um, you know, in fact, I prefer to, to, to kind of share others because there aren't that many good Liberty ones in the first place. Maybe that's why they don't share podcasts, because there's nothing really great out there that's relevant, uh, you know, to, to what, what, gets, what gets brought up. Um, so, I, you know, I share, I share podcasts, but I get it. Other people don't. I'm like, OK, so they share blog posts. All right, fine. And in fact, I've even heard some people be very critical, saying, oh, making a podcast easy is easy. Writing a blog post, now that's hard. That takes a lot of skill and all that stuff. Okay, fine. I think that's a bullshit argument. I actually think it's far harder. Uh, you know, when you go to some of the more popular blogs on the internet today or on the web today, uh, like uh, Kimanami, like her blog posts, exceptionally popular, like she double spaces everything like that is those are the easiest fucking blog you know i mean that is so basic <laughs> you know and and there's a bunch of other blogs that i read uh you know or i read i don't read these but sometimes someone brings to my attention uh stuff from like these bullshit websites like the libertarian republic which is just just a rag i mean it's just a terrible terrible site uh do not go to it and, you know, and I'm just like, well, this is this is nonsense. Like, this is all very, very banal. There's there's nothing great here. So I don't buy into that concept that that I mean, they're both equally, you know, they both equally require talent to do it very well. Bottom line. Um, but I'm like, all right, so so libertarians share blog posts. So I'll write blog posts. Maybe that'll that'll kind of, you know, get my content, you know, making its doing its work around in, in the various circles and all that never happened. Almost never happened. I can only I can think of of uh, of maybe maybe one or two people that are that that well 
I can think of a couple spaces where it did get shared that maybe it would reach out to somewhat of a libertarian audience. Uh, and I appreciate those, those couple people and I hope they know who they are. Um, and, but that was it, you know, it never, never, never got any, any real, now, I mean, maybe the content wasn't that great. Um, and I, you know, I did all the little tricks. I tried to avoid doing clickbaity headlines. There's points where I even tried to do the little clickbaity headlines and all that. And just, you know, it just wasn't enough. It just, it, it wasn't flying, wasn't happening. Okay. And that, that's fine. That's fine. But, you know, I had a goal with doing that. Um, it was fun to do that. I enjoyed writing every day. I, I love writing all the time. Um, and it just, you know, it, it didn't shape up. And I, I believe me, I've got questions to get to. I, I want to get to those. Uh, and so, you know, I thought, well, maybe, okay, fine. You know, granted, the bulk of my audience, shocker, uh, I don't think is even libertarian. They're certainly not ANCAPs. Um, you know, the bulk of Sovereign Tech's audience is, you know, more tech-oriented people and a lot of different variants of anarchism that don't have any kind of voice. Okay, and I'm honored to be that voice, <laughs> you know, for some of these other versions, you know, these, some of these other... Uh, 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 you know, hyphens, right? <laughs> uh, whatever, you know. Um, I, I'm not saying I speak for them. I'm just saying I do speak to them. And I recognize that they exist and I don't invalidate them. You know, the only thing I invalidate is the use of violence, is the use of coercion. Um, so anyway, whatever. So so that that's the bulk of my audience, you know, as far as that goes. Now, uh, another audience that I do kind of, or at least for a while, that I think I was reaching, and I'm, I say that I reached, I say past tense, because I don't think that audience exists anymore. Um, you know, I reach out to the Bitcoin space, the cryptocurrency space. There's not really an audience there uh, any longer. There's not really a community of any kind. Um, and that, you know, but in that space... A, I wasn't getting shared, and and whatever, that's fine. You know, in, in the crypto space, it wasn't happening. But B, anybody that does get shared heavily in that crypto space, in the crypto space, and, and in, I guess you could maybe say the hacker space or whatever, they all fucking write on Medium. <laughs> and so it's like, well... You know, here we are, you know, I'm one of these guys, along with some of these other people who get on various shows or who get on various platforms. Because, I mean, you know, I've, I've had speaking engagements that I've been at, uh, you know, in conferences or whatever that I, I get asked to speak at. I never ask to speak at, at, at events. I always wait to get asked. Um, I think that's I think that's kind of crazy when you when you, you know, you ask to speak at something. I, I, I don't agree with that. Um, but I get asked often, and I still get asked here and there. And I, I don't, you know, sometimes they can fit into the schedule, sometimes they don't. Um, but anyway, but, you know, all these people that talk about, well, we need to decentralize things. We need to get peer-to-peer. We need to be distributing. We need to be using open source software. We need to be getting on this. We need to be doing this, blah, blah, blah. They're all using fucking Medium and, and, and fucking Google Chrome and, you know, whatever the, whatever the hell else. They're not living up to any of that shit. They're just not. They're full of it. And there's stories that get shared and get all this highlight and, oh, we're bringing on the future. You're bringing on the future while you're on fucking Medium. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's that's how, you know, Brian Sovereign, the person, you know, not necessarily, uh, you know, not necessarily the, 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 the media. I'm not a personality. You're getting me. OK, <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, that's that's how I feel about it. I mean, when I'm doing something that matters, I'm sure as fuck. I ain't, I'm not using Windows. I'm not using, uh, you, you know, I'm not, I'm, well, I'm using a whole different bit of software. Whole, hell, I might even be using a whole different computer. Okay. Uh, and so it, it just, 
I, it boggles my mind. You know, if so few people practice what they preach. It, it's, it's just, it, it's a fact. And I, and I get worn down at times from that. I really do. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to start using Steemit, which, by the way, let me talk about that. Um, I was on Free Talk Live. I was also, uh, I was on Free Talk Live for a whole hour. They, they, they ended off the show with me. Um, and it ended up being kind of a Berwick. They, they sort of, Ian Freeman, who is the, the, the creator, lead host of Free Talk Live, which, you know, understand, I, I co-hosted Free Talk Live for two years. Um, I promise we're going to get into some questions. <laughs> but I, I co-hosted, along with the lovely and hyper-intelligent actor Stephanie Murphy and Mark Edge, we did the Sunday night show every, you know, every Sunday pretty much for two years. Um, I often first chaired Free Talk Live, which is not something a lot of people get to do. Free Talk Live has had a ton of, of guests, uh, you know, a ton of co-hosts, but very few of them actually get to run the show. And I was allowed to run the show uh, for many, many Sundays. So, and, and people loved it when I did it. In fact, I'd even, I, I did this classic thing. If you ever listen back to those old Sunday shows, which it's been a year, maybe almost two years since I'd been uh, on Free Talk Live. Um, I used to, when it was just me and Stephanie, I would host it and I would call it Free Talk Live, the Anarchy Edition, you know, or the Anarchist Edition and all that. I'd give it a real, you know, Sovereign Tech flair to it, uh, which, which people loved. People would call in and they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, there's a lot of people. I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking Free Talk Live. I'm just saying there are a lot of people who said that the Sunday night show was the only one that they were still listening to. And I also had a lot of people comment when I was on uh, this, this past uh, it was uh, the 8th of August, so I guess that was Monday. It was Monday night. Um, when I was on, a lot of people said, I haven't listened to Free Talk Live in years, but I heard you were going to be on it, so, I, was, so I, I went there to uh, to go listen. And thank you for that. I'm honored by that. You know, Not to say that Free Talk Live isn't still getting a great message out there. They certainly are. So I'm not knocking Free Talk Live at all whatsoever. Um, but anyway, I was asked to be on you know, to talk about that, and I'm going to make that content available along with some extra commentary. Uh, about Steemit. I was asked to be on about that. And, and like I said, Ian Freeman sort of set it up as this, you know, Jeff Berwick, because he was on for the first hour or maybe hour and a half versus Brian Sovereign. You know, I was sort of the anti-Steam guy in Berwick. And also Randy Clemens, who I happen to know is a very nice guy. Uh, Randy Clemens came on. He's a, he's, you know, he does his thing in the Free State Project, to, you know, just to put it that way. Uh, he was on to talk about Steemit and all that, and he was very positive about it. And, um, you know, overall, I mean, I'll just tell you, you know, I'll, I'll release the content with my with extra lots of extra commentary as well. But I'll release the content in the Patreon feed. Uh, I mean, overall, you know, I, I thought it was a fantastic show. It was a fantastic episode of any show that you could imagine, Free Talk Live or not. Um, so, you know, every, the callers were good. You know, the guests, everybody, you know, pulled off a very professional, you know, good show. Um, so I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, doing that. Um, so, but I want you to know that, yes, I will be doing that. I also, ironically, last week's episode of Sovereign Tech, episode 187, which was called The Steaming Pile of Shit, called Steam It, was one of, if not still, one of the most popular posts on Steam It. Okay, it's made thousands, as, as I understand it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> by their metric, <laughs> okay, not by mine. Uh, it's made a lot of steam, <laughs> Um, also, my appearance on Free Talk Live had made a lot of steam. Um, I will. There was a rebuttal article, anyway, in response to to my episode of Sovereign Tech that I did. There was a rebuttal done um, on Steemit. That's how it got shared, and that's the that's the Steemit post that has made a lot of steam. 
Steam dollars, I guess I could say, though there's three different currencies in Steam, so it's it's really tough to use that that word. <laughs> and I don't want to use I don't want to use U.S. dollars because that's kind of my whole point is that you're really not making U.S. dollars until you you know your your palm is crossed with silver. Okay, or <laughs> well that's ironic actually because silver is what the dollar was originally based. That it's a whole other economic history thing that that's a long story. Um, but anyway, you know has made has made some kind of reward, has made a lot of rewards. How about I put it that way? I will do a response to that, to that article in the Steam It episode that I'll release on Patreon. Um, so you can, you know, you can look forward to that. That's going to be coming very soon. And also, I was also mentioned on Freedom Fiends uh, for some of my comments. And uh, they're very gracious to, uh, about me on there, and I appreciate that. Uh, when it comes to the whole Steemit thing. So I will talk about that then. Because some people had asked me questions about Steemit. I will not be getting it into that into in this Q&A episode. Um, but anyway, but talking about, you know, using other platforms and all this stuff. This leads into, into our first question. Why don't we go ahead and let's start getting into the Q&A. Um, and this was, uh, didn't, I'll just summarize it. Whoever this is start must have started listening to some really old episodes of Sovereign Tech. Because in the early episodes of Sovereign Tech, I made a claim, which to some degree is still true, okay? Uh, and the claim was is that, I, or I used to say that privacy was dead. Just forget about it. Forget about privacy. You know, it's, it's not going to, you know, trying to go for it and all that. It's just more, more trouble than it's worth, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of let the, you know, let the companies that you're using their software for and everything, you know, just sort of, you're, you're just going to have to kind of trust them. That is a tack I took years ago, years ago. The Snowden revelations came and everything changed because then I had absolute evidence. I wasn't just going to run off of conspiracy theories or anything like that, but I had absolute evidence that these com- that companies like Google, you know, go down the list of the, you know, the, the big tech companies in Silicon Valley were working you know, were, were effectively arms of the state and were working with the state. Or if anything, they weren't doing anything to stop them. Uh, they weren't shutting down like LeVar Levinson did with, uh, you know, with Lava Mail. Okay. Um, you know, when the NSA came knocking at their door. All these things. So, uh, you know, before I was saying, yeah, trust Google. Remember, I used to be a Google fanboy. And I'd say, trust Google. Don't worry. No one's getting at Google stuff. Well, it turns out people are getting at Google stuff. Um, so the question was effectively, you know, what, what changed? How did that change? You know, what's, what's the deal here? Yeah, so I still think that for the average person, absolutely privacy is dead. And they don't know it, and they, they either don't care, however that's shaping up for them. You know, for the average person, they, they have no expectation of anything that they're doing is private. Um, there is an old, an old hacker adage, which is that assume that everything you use has been, uh, uh, you know, exploited, uh, that everything you use, you know, every software, anytime, anytime something effectively, anytime something leaves your brain, you can no longer assume that that is private. That's an old hacker adage to act as if that's so that doesn't mean that it's not, that doesn't mean that it's true. It just means act as if that is so. Okay. Uh, and I really went back to, you know, kind of my cypherpunk days from the early nineties. And I was like, yeah, okay, no, we have governments and we're going to have to, you know, really take technology into our own hands. We're going to have to go, you know, total peer to peer. We need to, you know, back, scale back on the cloud, create our own clouds, you know, using, um, uh, was it Sandstorm, right? Sandstorm.io is, that's a, 
I think that's a that's a whole cloud platform that you can use Docker and all that. Uh, you know, make it for ourselves. You know, we're we're gonna go. We're we're gonna bring back client side all the way and fuck it. You know, <laughs> uh, like that. That was the tack that I took because you know, come to find out, none of these because that you know when the Snowden revelations happened, that's when I was absolutely, absolutely uh, uh, convinced that corporatism was a thing, and that's really what was running the show. Uh, you know, before then. Not to say, you know, I mean, like there might have even been early episodes of Sovereign Tech where I said I was like an ANCAP or something, you know, kind of kind of falling in line with the LRN tech and all this stuff, you know, first starting off. Not true anymore. For years, that hasn't been true. Um, but anyway, I really like. Yeah, the Snowden revelations changed things. That That's the bottom line. And I was already getting away from uh, because there there were other things that happened uh, even before the Snowden revelations that were coming out, where it's just like, okay, no, if we want freedom, we sure as hell cannot be relying on Google or Facebook or anything like that, right? Um, I mean, I deleted the Sovereign Tech Facebook page years ago. You know, like a lot, a lot of these things, you know, you just, you, you come to realize it, right? Um, and again, like I've said on, on Q&A episodes, I mean, I haven't identified as as a, I haven't identified with the word capitalism in forever, <laughs> okay? There was a time where I was into the whole Mises thing, and I still think, actually, I still think the works of Ludwig von Mises are phenomenal. Uh, I can't say the same for a lot of people attached to the Mises Institute, but a lot of what Mises realized, a lot of the praxeology and all that, uh, really actually fits in very well with a lot of other thinkers, thinkers you wouldn't expect. I mean, some of his stuff fits in very well with Marx. You're going to say it's heretical, but... Hmm. You can ask me about that. I'm not saying I agree with Marx. Again, I'm not a I'm not a communist. Okay, but um, uh, well, anyway, that's a whole other story. But bottom line being, is that yeah, that attack of privacy is dead. In many ways, that's still very true. Uh, especially you know with IoT, you know all the stuff that gets pushed on you. What really changed for me was that corporatism is absolutely real. Like 100% convinced of that, and that most large companies. Uh, if not all, you know, here, here's something. This is hilarious, right? Did I, maybe I mentioned this. Maybe I mentioned this on a previous Q&A episode. But, you know, some people think of, oh, well, there, there's still some good libertarian companies out there and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, one they bring up is Overstock, right? Run by Patrick Byrne, who is, you know, very libertarian and all this stuff. Very pro-Bitcoin and all that, right? Well, you know, recently I've seen on TV... They're, they have overstock ads. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem with that. Fine. You have an overstock.com ad uh, on TV. And the ad shows a, a person holding like a, a tablet or, you know, whatever, some smart device. Uh, it seemed particularly large, but that was probably just for cinemagenic purposes. They made it, you know, they put, they put a tablet in somebody's hand instead of it being a smartphone so you could see what was actually on the web page. And there was Apple Pay was on the screen of this device. Um, and there might have been another thing, but there was no mention of Bitcoin whatsoever. What the fuck? You know, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, that would have been a golden opportunity. Patrick Byrne, it would have been wonderful if on, you know, cable television or wherever that Overstock.com ad, you know, keeps showing up, if you could have had a big B symbol on there, baby. That would have been great, don't you think? I think. 
Nope. So anyway, <laughs> corporatism is a thing. And it is, it is the main, I, I, think, I think it is reckless. I think it is, uh, 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 what's another word that I'm looking for? Naive, maybe. Um, I, I think it is incomplete. It is near dishonest to say that government alone is the problem. There are companies that they are absolutely working together in concert with each other, and they are taking full advantage with lobbying groups and whatever else and various laws. They are taking full advantage of, um, you know, of government to, you know, to, to, push, to push their way around. Now, and what I'm saying is, is that, look, a company, if they wanted to be a bit more ethical... They would not, you know, they wouldn't have lobbying groups to create new laws against other people. I mean, toy companies do this. All kinds of people do this shit, right? Uh, So, you know, corporatism is the thing. It is real. There are businesses, yes, without government, largely, hopefully, corporations wouldn't be able to, you know, or large companies wouldn't be able to pull this stuff off. And the market would speak and small companies would wipe the floor with them. That, you know, of course, yes, at the end of the day, you know, governments are kind of what allows for this to happen. But understand that these corporations are also willfully using government to get their way and to take out other companies. They don't believe in any kind of free market. So, I, I, you know, again, I have no praise for McDonald's. I have no praise for Google. There was a time in my life where I did, full disclosure. I admit to that, but that those days are long gone. And definitely, you know, total thanks to Edward Snowden for, for bringing a lot of that to light. And really, Bitcoin was also making peer-to-peer. Bitcoin and, and of course, BitTorrent, to the more important, uh, were really bringing, um, you know, just, just peer-to-peer technology, proving that it could really work, that people were ready for it, and that they were going to take it on. Because, again, a lot of these ideas aren't necessarily new. They've been around for a while, just they never really had a great implementation, and there didn't seem to be the community for them. Uh, as to where, you know, a few years ago, it, 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 especially in Sovereign Tech's history, it proved, no, absolutely they are, and so now you can run with it. Um, and, you know, I'll admit, like, I wrestle with myself sometimes, uh, like, today, you know, using Medium, I got I mean, I kind of hate it. But, but then I, I feel like, well, this is where everybody does their shit. This is where everybody else goes that are far smarter than I, as far as, you know, peer-to-peer and as far as you know the whole crypto economy and everything so you know i'm not saying i'm defeatist and you can't beat him join him whatever it's just like well there it is and i'm not doing daily content anymore anyway so it's not like i'm building up the site as a brand because part you know part of that i'm all over the place with this show what we were talking about earlier part of the reason of doing daily content at zog.ninja was so that people know that it's not a defunct website, that there is always something fresh, always something new. This is an up-to-the-minute website. You want to come here daily. I wanted people to know that. Uh, And, yeah. Anyway, so privacy is not dead. Privacy is something I think that we can have. There are certainly arguments, and there there are arguments that could be had for having, and I used to make these, for having a totally open society. Kind of like um, David Brin's um, you know, his covalence society where, you know, yeah, okay, the pro- like David Brin's whole analysis on privacy is that not that we need privacy. He says the problem is, is that the people in charge have it 
they have secrecy and privacy and we don't. That's the issue. What we need to do is we need to, you know, everything needs to be, they call it radical transparency now. I think that that's the popular term for it. And I get the argument for that. The argument is, is that if you're so transparent that when the government comes after you and says you did this, that you are so radically transparent that you could easily prove that that is not in your character to do what they said. You know, or that, that you can, um, you know, like you could prove via a Google post or something or via a YouTube video, no, I was not doing this with some kid or I was not doing, I was not raping or I was not uh, whatever, you know, selling drugs or whatever the case may be. Not that selling drugs is a problem. The other two are. Uh, but, uh, you know, you could prove that, that, that you're, you're, in the up, you're on the up and up, right? The thing is, is that now we know that with covalence, with even recording, you know, considering recent Facebook stories and all this, that even recording the police just doesn't matter. You know, somebody could still end up dying and it's ultimately up to the judge whether or not something is admissible. So the concept of covalence, I think, is also a failure. I get it. I understand it. I see, I mean, you know, there, there's some, I don't mind if a, if a specific group, a specific culture or society somewhere else wanted to live that way, go ahead. As long as everybody's, you know, on board with it, then, then do it. As long as it's voluntary, you know, fine. Um, but, you know, in the system we live in, I think it's an atrocious idea uh, because, you know, again, we have corporatism, okay? I mean, Facebook can take down the video. Google could, could audit the logs. You know, I mean, there's just, there's a million ways that it could be a, a very real problem. So, uh, so yeah, so my idea that privacy is dead, again, still, I still kind of stand by that statement to some degree, but it's really only dead for the people that aren't educated enough on how to get it back. And that's, of course, one of the primary goals that, that Sovereign Tech tries, uh, tries to do. So anyway, uh, <laughs> enough of that. Um, how, how are we doing here? We got about, I don't like these to go over much an hour, so, so let's keep going. Uh, here's another little tech question. I'll, I'll get to this one quick. Uh, what do you think of Google Spaces? Well, speaking of, uh, of Google, um, I did talk about Google Spaces on Sovereign Tech a while back. This person was asking whether or not I would set up a Google Spaces group for Sovereign Tech. Uh, no, I, I, I will not uh, do that. <laughs> I know I've talked about how I'm using Medium, and that's kind of a centralized service and all that. Uh, admittedly, it's really an offshoot of Twitter. Twitter is the least of all evils when it comes to a lot of these social media platforms, even though there's a good bet. I actually, I kind of, I... I'm kind of guessing that Twitter is either going to get bought out by Amazon or it's going to get bought out by Microsoft. I've talked about that on Sovereign Tech before, but uh, whatever. Remember, Snowden said the two companies to watch out for are Google and Facebook. Those are the main ones to watch out for. Uh, what he knew, what hasn't been revealed. You know, that's another thing with the Snowden leaks. There's got to be at least another 15,000 documents that we've never seen the light of day on. Where are those? They just stopped. I think there's still a whole lot more to say there, and I think there might be very interesting points as to why he particularly pointed out those two companies, that being Google and, uh, and Facebook in particular. He didn't mention Apple or Microsoft. He didn't mention Amazon, even though he might have wanted to mention Amazon. <laughs> but um, anyway, Google Spaces. So uh, no, I, will, I, won't, I, won't be doing, uh, I won't be using Google Spaces. Um, I... I've used it. I've checked it out. Uh, I think it is an interesting small group technology. I think there's a lot of advantages to using that sort of thing. Uh, I think a lot of other companies should really take uh, design cues, perhaps, from it. Um, 
for, for the kind of thing that Google Spaces does, granted you can't have all the links and the rich media and everything that gets that gets uh, plugged into it, you know, for that kind of interaction, I still like IRC. I still, uh, you know, I'm still a huge fan of that. In fact, Sovnet is still out there. I still visit Sovnet often. Um, that's on Freenode. It's you know hashtag Sovnet. That's that's the room uh, that I that I am the op on. Um, but yeah, Google Spaces is good. I mean, what I think it really proves, and actually this this kind of gets into sort of a larger a larger topic uh, that I don't want to spend too much time on here um, because I think it's important enough that it needs to be in a main episode of Sovereign Tech as well. Um, I think, you know, we talk about content collapse with Facebook, or Facebook talks about content collapse. We talked about it on Sovereign Tech. Um, what's really happened is there's not a content collapse. What there is a content collapse of, what, what the lack of engagement that people are seeing is really, they're not seeing wide open engagement. They're not seeing mass engagement. And what I mean by that is, is like, take Facebook in, in particular. Um, Facebook, you're not seeing many people post as much anymore, like out in the open, out in the clear. Okay, whether they, you know, whether it's within their friends or if they do it public, whatever. Um, okay, I think that's true. But what's re- it's not that they're not using Facebook less. This is something I've, I've really come to realize recently. It's not that they're using Facebook less. It's that they've all gone off to groups, to groups within Facebook. Sometimes secret groups, sometimes groups, you know, that just are closed and you have to ask to join or whatever. But that's really where the action is. That's really where it's happening. Um, and Google Spaces is sort of that concept applied to Google Plus, really. Like, that's, that's really what that comes down to, especially since the notification t- system in Spaces works in concert with the notification system for Google Plus and YouTube and whatever else. Um, so I, th- I think, what, you know, Google Spaces proves, and, it, it, and actually Spaces isn't that popular. Uh, as far as I know, people have largely stopped using it, even though they keep updating it. But the concept itself is fine. Like the abstract idea itself is great. I just don't want it with Google. Um, I won't be creating one for Sovereign Tech, like I said. I also don't have a secret group on Facebook. I can assure you of that. Um, but I think a lot of people who run in my various circles, social circles, do. And I think they create a very distorted reality outside of those circles on, um, you know, on, on more open platforms. Um, like, you know, here, I'll tell you this. Only Patreon content this year. I, well, maybe I'll talk about it in a future episode because, again, I think this is important. I think there are, you know, speaking of libertarians, anarchists, all that, I think there are certain celebritarians that they look like celebritarians on Facebook if you go by the numbers. How many likes they get, all this different stuff, right? But in actuality, they are part of another group of, say, maybe, I don't know, tens, maybe a few hundred people that all circle jerk each other, okay? And, and anything that they do, anything that they write, any banal, stupid posts that they make on Facebook out in the open, isn't really, I mean, maybe five, six people that are liking it are, you know, just, just your you know, run-of-the-mill libertarian or anarchist. But the rest of them are all people in some kind of, like, group trying to, to pump up each other. And, like, I... I you know, I've said this before. You you kind of can't believe what you see on the internet, um, and I think I think this is true even with people like libertarians and anarchists that you would think would be perhaps ethically a cut above. That would be a little more interested in honesty and transparency. Uh, you know, particularly with their business or whatever, or in, in what they've got going on, uh, are not at all. Um, they're they're not for a second. And 
Yeah. So, so I think Facebook, you know, they real, there really isn't a content collapse on Facebook. There is a collapse on the use of Google Plus and on Google Spaces, that's for sure. But there's not a collapse on, on Facebook content. Um, and I, I've, you know, this is sort of a more newer revelation to me, but there is just a collapse on public posting. Now it's all being done in PMs and groups, uh, you know, very secretive ones. That's, that's my thought on it. <laughs> So if you're wondering, like, perhaps you may be wondering why, you know, I go, I do everything, you know, I, I, I try to copy the models that I see of people that, that have some degree of success in trying to build up their, their brand or their platform or your podcast or something like that. Um, you know, but it's just not happening. It's like, it doesn't make sense. I do all the clickbaity, you know, and all that. What it really comes down to is that you are not in the social circles, the secretive social circles where these, where all of these guys, you know, pump each other up. Um, you know, that, that, that's, that's what I think is the reality. So anyway, enough of the technical stuff. <laughs> I hope you've, I've, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Why don't I get into, into a couple of, uh, some fun stuff. And actually there, there was, oh man, there was a couple other great questions. I'll, I'll save them for next week. Some of them had to do with the, uh, the national power grid. I think uh, that that was, that was interesting. I'll save that for next week. Um, I want, let's let's get into some some geeky shit. I like being able to do that, you know, without worrying about, uh, you know, not that I care. I'll talk about whatever the hell I want to on Sovereign Tech, really. Um, but, you know, I, I want it to be tech related. I mean, that, that's kind of the point of the show. And I want people to have useful information uh, out of it going forward. So I don't want to get geeky too much. But here and there I do. Uh, but here, you know, on Patreon, I don't mind going all the way. Um, so let, here's a couple of, of, uh, of quick questions here that I'll get into. One was, I think I mentioned it was in last week's Q&A episode. Uh, I mentioned that I saw The Killing Joke, the animated movie of The Killing Joke, which is the original, um, you know, very popular Batman comic from, uh, from the late 80s uh, that was done. And uh, this person had said that they'd read that a lot of people were, you know, they thought it was terrible. Um, they, they didn't like how Barbara Gordon... Uh, was expanded into it, and Barbara Gordon was effectively treated like a sex object, supposedly, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and they were, bottom line, this question is asking me, why did I, you know, why did I think it was a good film? So there, there's a lot of paragraphs here. I don't want to go through all of them. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, first off, the comic, the original comic from the, you know, from the late 80s was 87, maybe, um, of The Killing Joke, yeah, is one of the greatest of all time. A lot of the arguments... Uh, that against a lot of the critical arguments against the movie version of the killing joke uh, were saying that it didn't evolve. And I'm just like that, that blows my mind. Um, don't I, don't I just want to see the original great comic book uh, come to life? Like, isn't that the point of this? And if so, shouldn't it be faithful to the you know original content? That argument made no sense to me, that they were complaining that it, you know, it played up like it was, you know, a classic Frank Miller or something, you know, which it's not as Alan Moore. But, um, you know, that it, that it had it had old platitudes in it and that it had, you know, old ways of thinking and all this stuff. Uh, yeah, d- damn well better, because that's that's what I want to see. I want to see that comic book come to life. I don't want to see a new interpretation of it. Uh, I mean, if you want to make a new interpretation of it, go for it. And it could stand on its own merits. But... There is absolutely nothing wrong with something with with an animated movie based on a comic book having fidelity to that comic book. That is mind-boggling to me that people complain about that. Now, the complaints about Barbara Gordon. Okay, now so this 
you know, I talked, uh, episode 187 of Sovereign Tech, I actually talked a little bit about San Diego Comic-Con. There was some heat that came up around that. Um, because there was a panel around this movie, because I think they, they premiered the movie there or whatever, and they talked about how Barbara Gordon, like, now they, they, they had to extend it, because the original comic isn't long enough uh, to where you can make a full hour and 20 minute movie out of it, to, to where you can make a full feature. Um, so they expanded on it, and they expanded on it by giving Barbara Gordon as Batgirl a lot more, uh, uh, you know, camera time, okay? Like, they, they gave her a lot more depth. But people complained about what the depth was because if you pretty much find out that she has been obsessed with Batman forever, she, or, you know, with Batman since she was a girl or whatever, and everything she's doing is trying to please Batman. And eventually there is a, you know, spoiler alert, there's a stooping scene where, you know, where, where she fucks Batman on a roof. It's very hot. Like, in my opinion, it's very hot. But everybody says, oh, it just... It, it totally tears down, you know, the, the character of Barbara Gordon and like, you know, just turns her into a sex object and all this different stuff. Um, I, you know, and there was an argument at, at the panel for this movie at San Diego Comic-Con where people, you know, the, all the writers were up there. Uh, was it, what's, I can never pronounce his name. Brian Elzario or whatever. He was there. Bruce Tim was there, which Bruce Tim is, you know, if you're a fan of, of the animated Star Wars universe, or if you're just a fan of Star Wars, everything great that's happening in Star Wars is totally coming out of Dave Filoni, who is the guy that was in charge of... He, were, he originally worked on Avatar The Last Airbender, which is fucking great. Uh, I mean, great, great, great cartoon, boy. Uh, or animated series, you know. I wouldn't want you to think it's just for kids. Um, and he, you know, he ended up being in charge of... He was the showrunner for, for Star Wars The Clone Wars, which, if you never saw The Clone Wars, please get through season one and two. Once you get to season three of Clone Wars... The show is amazing, and it is certainly not just for kids. Um, and he's also been doing Star Wars Rebels. So he, is, he has been making everything that's great in Star Wars. He has been so key to that. Um, Bruce Tim equally, <laughs> is, you know, anything that's happening good in, outside of DC Comics in the DC Universe, he's really behind a lot of it, minus maybe Zack Snyder. Um, because Bruce Tim, of course, did the original Batman, the animated series. He's been in charge of so much of the animated DC universe, which is really where DC shines. Um, you know, Marvel, I agree with the sentiment that yes, on so far, Marvel's movies, you know, live action movies have been far better than DC's efforts as late, you know, in the past, that was not true. Like, I mean, I'm talking 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't true. Uh, but in the past decade, yes. Uh, largely, you know, minus maybe the Christopher Nolan Batman films. Um, and Man of Steel, by the way, is also a great film. We talked about that last week. But minus that, you know, I, in general, Marvel's movies are just better than what DC's uh, live-action movies have been. This is not true for the animated movies. With the animated movies, DC is, I mean, knocks everybody else out of the park by a long shot. You know, New Frontier, well, New Frontier wasn't that grand, but I mean, some of the, you know, the Batman, Superman, Apocalypse, like all this different stuff. And, oh, Batman, Superman, Apocalypse, that, that was fucking great. Uh, uh, you know, Superman versus Doomsday, all, all these different, they're great. They're so, so good. Uh, and a lot of that is due to Bruce Timm. And I think it's also true for, um, you know, for The Killing Joke. So anyway, now my defense of Barbara Gordon being a sex object. First off, I don't think they played her off as a sex object. Um, I agree with Bruce Tim that that it was a opportunity to get into you know to explore more of the motivations and to get behind more of what um, of what Barbara Gordon 
is all about, you know, and why she's Batgirl and all this. I agree with that. I don't agree with the kind of the argument that happened at San Diego Comic-Con. You can read about that. Um, you know, there was a pretty heated exchange. Uh, but but Bruce Timm's right. I mean, and, you know, and, and here's kind of here's the, so here's my defense of this. Two points, and then I'm going to do one more question, and then we're done. Two points. One is, is that the sexual tension between Batgirl and Batman, also Robin, not just Batman, but also with Robin, has been a part of the comic books, regardless of male or female writers, has been a part of the Batman comics and Batman media properties forever. You just never noticed it. This is like when people told you Batman and Robin are secretly gay. And you're like, no, that's not true. But then you start to look at the evidence that people bring to you and you go, oh, well, I see why you interpreted it that way. Okay, it's because you didn't know. You didn't see it. I've seen it. (laughs) Okay, I agree. And in fact, Bruce Timm brought up a point that I've made many times. um, That, like in the 66 Batman series, my personal favorite rendition of Batman with Adam West. um, You know, in that that television series, absolutely, there is so much, there's sexual tension running wild on that show. That's why it's one of my favorite shows. It's why it's my favorite Batman, because it's very sexy. Okay, Uh, but like the, you know... (laughs) The the un uh, the unfilmed three way that Batman, Batgirl, and Robin must have had, as well as the various trysts that Robin and Batgirl and Batman and Batgirl obviously had, just you know were very much hinted at, and you just never saw. Were always there. They were there. Now, I mean, if you want to get into the ethics of whether or not it's right or whatever. You know, I mean, that's a different story, how you feel about that, how you feel about the power dynamics and all that stuff. That that makes tons of sense to me, you know, to, to want to argue that point. But the thing is, is that their claim was, is that this was something new. Barbara, you're, you're, you're defacing Barbara Gordon's character. No, you're actually bringing it to light for once of what was happening. Um, so, you know, so that, that's, that's kind of point one um, on a lot of that. On point two... Uh, I think, in it, from a marketing standpoint, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but I mean, how many, how many young women, well, just how many females, are gaga over over Batman? And I don't blame you. I'm a guy, and I and I I, I, I get it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not bisexual, but but I believe me, I understand. Okay, so like, you know, you're sort in some ways. I think you're playing up. A lot of fangirls fantasy. I'm not knocking the fangirls by saying that. I'm not saying that. I mean, well, hopefully people listening to this, you know me. You know what I've said in the past. And you know that I'm not like being degrading in any way. Uh, Sex is a very empowering thing. Uh, And honestly, Batgirl took control of the situation. If you watch the movie, she put Batman to the floor. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I thought it was sexy. Uh, I mean, if you if you have disagreements on that or whatever, you know, you have concerns over the age of the power dynamic of the age and all this stuff. Abs- you know, not not that Batgirl. I mean, there's there's no inclination that she's you know underage or something or a kid in this. Um, I mean, she has a full on job working on her own and all that crap, and she's really taking care of herself. And they make it a point to show that she does not rely on her dad to protect her. You know, this is a grown woman that can handle her own business. Okay. Uh, but if you have issues over the power dynamics still and all that stuff, okay, I understand that. But let's be clear, this is not something new for Batgirl. This is something that's been around for a while. And for, for a lot of people, the popularity of Batgirl 
you know, for a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, female comic book fans, has been over the fact that she is close to Batman. Because they want to be close to Batman. And that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so, anyway, I thought, it was, I thought they did a great job. I appreciated, you know, the, some of the more disturbing, because it's meant to be disturbing, some of the more disturbing aspects um, of the killing joke. Uh, and I appreciated the what I think is the strength that they brought to Barbara Gordon's character, and some of the character aspects that you never re- that that were always there, but maybe people just didn't want. I don't know, they ignored, or you know, they're too prudish or whatever. But but they were always part of the thing. You know, I love. They made. Um, I don't know if Axel Braun made it. I don't remember. Uh, but there was a porn parody of the original Batman series. You know, the '66 Batman series. And in that, there was finally the payoff of the three-way between, you know, Batman, Robin, and, and Batgirl. And it's like, of course that was, I mean, like, I, I'm saying that, that that concept, that idea was so central. A lot of the sexy stuff was so central to that show. And people just didn't, either didn't see it, didn't want to, you know, weren't creative enough, whatever, and they didn't notice it. I, I mean, it was there. And it finally came to light sort of in the porn. <laughs> so not that I, I watch much porn, but, you know, it's Batman. So I, I checked it out. Um, and, and, you know, I know Batman was a kid show. It was I mean, in many ways. But but there was also a lot of adult stuff going on. I mean, especially off camera, like literally off camera. Um, you can watch a lot of making specials for the original for the, Bat, you know, 66 Batman series. Uh, and there, there's points where, you know, Bruce, uh, uh, was it Bruce Ward? Wow, it's terrible. I can't remember the name of the guy that played Robin. Anyway, I think it was Bruce Ward. Uh, where Bruce Ward, uh, you know, said, is, he said he's, he's just, you know, he's coming off set. And, you know, there's the trailers where the cast gets to, you know, they have their various rooms and all this stuff. You know, classic Hollywood stuff. And he said he was walking around towards Adam West's trailer, and there's Adam West outside of his trailer. You know, this is just offset. And he said a woman was was going down. You know, and he wouldn't he wouldn't go into the details. He said, but you know, he said he said Adam West, Adam had his had had the half had the top half of his outfit on, had his mask on. He didn't have the bottom half of his outfit on, and a woman started getting, going down to her knees. I mean, you know, this stuff, this was happening around the show. You know, and, and, and I, I disagree. It wasn't just for kids. I mean, great entertainment, you know, can appeal to a lot of different, a lot of different ages. Now, granted, that's not saying I think kids should be watching Spartacus by any means, okay? But, but I'm just saying that there can be a lot of hints and whatever. There can be stuff that's in there for adults and stuff that's in there for younger people, you know? And I think there was a lot of stuff in, that sh- in the 66 Batman series for adults. I think it's still golden, still great to watch today. Uh, anyway, whoo, boy. Okay, I'll get uh, one more question here. That way I can say I got to at least four of them. Um, there was the, the question, speaking of comic books, here, here's a great one. Um, what comic books do I read? Oh, man, I could not, I could not even dream to give you a complete list of all the comics that I read. Um, I will tell you, I actually don't read a lot of DC and Marvel anymore. That's something, speaking of, it's one of my more popular blog posts that I ever did at ZOG.Ninja was about how, why I'm not reading DC and Marvel anymore. I recently started reading mainstream DC when they went to Rebirth because I had some friends tell me, Dude, you're, you're just, you're so missing out on this. You've got to read this. They're doing great things. Um, you know, I, I've checked out some of it. Some of it looks really good. I have not taken the deep dive into the whole rebirth thing with DC to where they've rebooted again, which is the reason I stopped reading them in the first place. 
Uh, I'll probably wait for trade paperbacks to come out, you know, for collection, collected volumes to come out. Uh, that's really the best way to read it. In fact, you know, New 52, when, which was the last reboot that DC did, you know, back in 2011, if New 52 was released in long form, as in if it was released in, uh, you know, trade paperback or in collected editions, I think it would have been selling gangbusters. A lot of what they were doing in New 52 is great. It just, it didn't work giving so little each issue and then having, you know, the final payoff whenever. And this is a problem with comic books across the board is they're not giving you, they're all going on these gigantic story arcs, which you can do story arcs if you're doing a weekly television series, kind of like Babylon 5 did, and then you get a payoff years later. Like that works. You cannot do story arcs and make people wait a month, sometimes two months to get the rest of it. Comic books are really in trouble with the fact that you don't get single issue stories anymore. They carry stuff off, you know, they carry stuff way too long. There's not enough action because, you know, something, I think a lot of different industries are taking cues from from different aspects of each other. Um, In particular, something that could do long drawn out payoffs on a story was wrestling, professional wrestling. Okay. You know, sports entertainment. Um, wrestling used to be able to, and this is a problem they have, is to where they're actually doing the opposite, where they're paying stuff off too short. You know, they used to do, they would have storylines that would go on from, like from, you know, WrestleMania happens in March or April. They would have a storyline that would start in May and it wouldn't end until that following March or April, you know, that following WrestleMania. Uh, they have a problem to where they're not doing that anymore and that and that's problematic. But they could they could pull that off because... Each week, you had a lot of action. And what's happening is, I think, with a lot, with, with at least the big two, with Marvel and DC, is that they want to do this year-long payoff or six-month payoff, whatever. They want to do their annual events like Civil War or Civil War II or whatever. But they're not giving you enough action in the monthly issues to where you could wait, to where you're satiated enough to get to that final payoff. So that's a big problem. There's not enough payoff in comics today. There's too many reboots. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, uh, how that's how that's all working out. Um, so I don't read a lot of DC and Marvel. Um, I do read what I do read out of DC and Marvel though are sort of their their um, their classic series. I do read like I you know I was just talking about the '66 uh, version of Batman. Uh, there is a comic book that has been long running uh, called Batman '66, where it's all about you know the Adam West style Batman and you know and all of that. It's great. I I. You know, I, I read that every time. That, that is the must-read, one of the must-read comics for me. Um, there's also Marvel is doing X-Men 92. Uh, I read that whenever there's a new issue. I think that's great. Um, really, really enjoy that. Uh, so I read those. Uh, a lot of the stuff I'm reading is, is sort of outside of that. I read uh, Requiem, Vampire Night. I read that. Um, I read... Uh, I read a lot of things that have to do with franchises that I love. I read all the Star Wars comics. I read all the Star Trek comics. I read all the Stargate comics. Um, I read all the Battlestar Galactica comics. In fact, they just rebooted um, uh, the uh, for the classic Galactica. I don't read any of the stuff for the new Galactica. I hate Ron, Ronald Moore's Galactica. is terrible. I don't read that. But anything from the 78 Galactica, I read that. Uh, there's a Lost in Space comic out right now that's really, really good that has to do with the classic series. Um, I read, you know, some other companies I do read. I read, uh, I do read a lot from Image. I read Sex Criminals. I read Sex. Those are two different comics. 
Um, I read uh, Ninjak from Valiant. Valiant came back, which, yeah, it's a reboot, but Valiant's been gone forever. So <laughs> so it kind of made sense. Um, and they had a really myriad, like, you know, I understand, like, when DC does Crisis on Infinity Earths, I get it. You got to, you got to, you know, get things honed down. But you can't just keep rebooting it all the time. So anyway, I understand, you know, uh, Valiant doing a reboot with Harbinger and all that. Um, but I really, um, I, I like, uh, I love Ninjak, what they're doing with that. I read uh, Exo Manowar. That's really good. Uh, all, all those are very, very enjoyable, uh, you know, comic books. Um, I mean, I, you know, I read the X-Files comic books. Uh, I read, one I have been reading from Marvel. I have been reading Black Panther, and I do read Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer's, uh, Iron Man used to be my, my favorite Marvel character. It's so tough to say what your favorite is. I love Silver Surfer. He is that, that comic book character that just stands, like, he exists sort of outside of anything else going on. I mean, even though he gets involved often enough. Um, but uh, but I, I read the new Silver Surfer. I read the new Black Panther. I think Black Panther is such a cool comic book character. You know, having his own country, like this hyper-advanced, you know, African country and all that stuff, I think that's really cool. Um, Preacher, you know, like there's some classics that I still go back and read. I go back and read Preacher. Usagi Ojimbo, I read Usagi Ojimbo every week from uh, from Dark Horse. That is one of the best comics ever made. Long, long running too, baby. And I read it all, all the time. I read the Ninja Turtles comics. I read Sonic. I read the Mega Man comics. I mean, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the comic reading I do, admittedly, has to do with other franchises. Um, but So I don't read a lot of the big stuff. I love Injustice, the DC comics, Injustice, uh, Gods Among Us. I, I read that. I read that religiously, um, which is really cool. Injustice has gotten a lot of attention lately. I started reading it when the great game came out, uh, which is like a, you know, a fighting game. is is really cool. Um, but Injustice has gotten a lot, of, a lot of attention lately because it exists outside of the continuity of Rebirth or New 52 or any of that. And it doesn't waste time with origin stories. It pretty much says that, okay, you know who these characters are. We're just going to create a world where they do everything that you never imagined that they would do. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's true. It, it's what makes it great. It's, it's a really, really enjoy. If you love DC, the best thing you can read from DC right now is Injustice Gods Among Us. Uh, I think they're just finishing up because I think they're like in maybe maybe year five or something and they're going to be ending it. Or maybe they're in year four right now. Uh, but it it is so, so good because they have a new game coming out. And so they're probably going to want to build a comic around that. And, you know, I don't know how that'll shape up, but but awesome, awesome series. Uh, oh, and I will mention also DC is doing great things outside of their DC universe, as you know it. Um, they do they have the Future Quest series and Flintstones, Wacky Racers and Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. All four of those are fucking great. They are so good, especially Future Quest, which has the Herculoids in it, which is one of my favorite cartoons of all time. In fact, I even named an episode, and I talked about the Herculoids on an episode of Sovereign Tech. Uh, I think the name of the episode was I Want to Live Like the Herculoids. It was before episode 100. I don't, I don't remember what the episode name was, but you could type it in the search engine and you'll find it. Uh, man, it was just, I love the Herculoids. So it's great to have comic books for that. So again, like I said, I read so many. I can't, I can't begin to tell you, uh, uh, you know, I couldn't make an all-inclusive list. Um, but I, I read a ton of them and I, I don't actually have a list where I check them off. I just, I just remember because these things are so integrated with me. Um, so there you have it. But <laughs> If you want to check out any of those titles, I recommend them highly uh, and, and do enjoy them. Um, enough for this episode of the Q&A. This one went kind of longer than an hour. I really have planned, I wanted these Q&A episodes to be like a half hour apiece. 
Um, but they've generally been going into the hour range. And so I guess I just, I talk too much. <laughs> so uh, let me know what you think about them. Of course, you can comment right on Patreon if you want. Uh, you can comment right onto the sound, uh, you know, right onto the episode, or you can heart it, you know, give it a like. That's very kind if you do that. Um, I love to see your comments. And actually, everybody can kind of see your comments. So if you if you really enjoy something, you know, that might help bring people over the edge to join, uh, you know, to get on board with Patreon or however they want to donate as well. And if you're a person that donates outside of Patreon, but you get access to this content, uh, please, you know, don't hesitate to email me and let me know what you think of the show. Uh, and I will I will get to that. I had one guy, I had one guy message me and said something like, it's like, if I'm, if I'm doing landscaping, and I'm listening to your episodes. Does that make me a sweaty? Absolutely. <laughs> I love all you Sovereign Tech sweaties. That's kind of the, the fun nickname uh, that I go with for, uh, you know, for fans of Sovereign Tech now. There's been a few different ones. Sovereignati, Sovereign Tech Rangers. There's, there's been a bunch of them. But I, I do enjoy the sweaties. So I'm getting sweaty right now. I might need to, uh, to get in a workout here after recording this. I'll post this up. Um, but as I said, I'm trying to get content out every Wednesday. I'm not going to guarantee that, that it's always going to happen. There will always be new content every week. There's going to be a lot of episodes coming out, actually, in the next few days. Um, So lots for you here to enjoy. I want to make sure you're getting value for value. Thank you so much to everybody that donates. Uh, If you wish to update or to up your donation, I got a lot of new dollar donators. Thank you so much. I am not in no way knocking what your, you know, your dollar. I am honored by that. Uh, But if you feel the need to ever up your donation, please don't hesitate to do that. Because, again, we have the goal of getting to $500 a month on Patreon. Um, and if we, if, you know, or donated, and if we can do that, there's going to be an entire second episode of Sovereign Tech. Um, and then also if we can get up to 1500, we'll do three a week and then we'll keep going and going and going. Um, so anyway, thank you so much for, for appreciating the pay what you want model that I'm putting out here and the, you know, the value for value. Uh, love all you guys and gals. So thank you so much. Carpe Lucem. I'll see you on the other side. Just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.